everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Hello, New Point. I want to welcome each and every one of you. I trust that you're doing well. I want to give a shout out to those at our campuses, those in Dover and Canton and Worcester, Millersburg, Coshocton, and Cambridge, and those of you who are joining us online, I am honored that you have joined us. Now, we're in this series called Rent Free, and what I'm saying is this. You and I cannot act inconsistently with how we think, okay? Your thought life will determine and dictate how you live life. And so we've been working on this, and I trust that if you haven't heard the the, the previous messages that you would go back and listen to them because they really are building upon one another. Now, I realize that our current situation, as crazy and stressful as our lives are, we feel like it's producing a bumper crop of anxieties and worries and concerns because we have a tendency to think in our mind that our present circumstances are unique, don't we? And so we use them as an explanation to be able to, to make an excuse, quite frankly, okay? We use them as an excuse to be able to justify our sense of hopelessness, staying stuck. Life is really, really hard, and it is. This is just something I have to tackle on my own. This is just who I am. I've tried everything and nothing seems to work. You know what? Nobody can really help me. I'm just going through something that's just weird. Nobody understands me. And if we're not careful, we think that what we're going through, all of those things, and really they get you and I stuck. They, they cause you and I to make excuses. And what I want to do is I want to address that today because Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation, but be of good courage. I have overcome the world. And so we have to understand this is life. We live in a broken world. How can we develop and maintain spiritual and mental health? Now, here's what I know about anxieties, my friend. Anxieties speak the language of absolutes of absolutes, it, it's, it's always final. It's always definite. You see, anxiety doesn't even have a word for peace. It doesn't have a word for relief. It doesn't have a word for rest. It's a language of negativity, of hopelessness, of despair. It's a language of defeat. And what anxieties do is they force you and I to surrender before the battle has even been engaged. That's what anxiety does. It causes you and I to make excuses. It causes you and I to, to, to retreat. It causes you and I to get stuck. And God doesn't want that for you. God doesn't want that for me. He wants you and I to live by faith. And what is faith? Faith is believing that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he has promised to do. That's what the Hebrew writer says. Faith is the confidence 
that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. That's faith. Faith is believing that God is who he says he is and that he will do what God has promised to do. But you see, Satan cannot create. All Satan can do is pervert and corrupt. And really, anxiety is a perversion of faith. It's a corrupted faith. Anxiety is the confidence that what we hope against will exactly happen the way in which we thought it would. It gives us the assurance that what we can't see will be bad. It's gonna be awful. You see, anxiety doesn't produce any victories. It leads to defeat, it leads to depression, it leads to discouragement, and it only accomplishes that which is negative. And God doesn't want that for you. God doesn't want that for me. You see, the life of anxiety and worry that maybe you're experiencing and living in now is not the life that God has for you or for me. Instead, he wants you and I to trust him. Instead of trusting of how things can go wrong and how things can be bad and the terror of tomorrow, he wants you and I to put faith in him that he's faithful and that he's good. Now, as we continue to look at rent-free, there are things that too often we allow occupy to occupy our mind and to be able to settle in, and it affects us. And what I want you to do is I want you to transfer your trust that you have in the things that's going to go wrong and the things that are going to happen that are not good. I want you to trust God in those areas. I want you to take that trust and that belief of how you think things are going to happen that are not good for you and put that trust in God. And so when you do that, what happens is God will work in your life, that he will be faithful, he will be true throughout your journey, that you will know that you can face life, you can deal with life because your God is with you, that he will help you to overcome and that he's loving enough to be able to never leave you and never forsake you, that he'll always be there. You see, the psalmist writes it like this. The psalmist says, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. I will not become anxious. I will not allow anxiety to rule my life. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? Wow. And so I wanna help you with that because there are certain things that you and I do that feed our anxiety. Do you know that? Just like you can feed your faith, you can feed your anxiety. And Dr. Gregory Jansen shares with us some of these thoughts and I wanna share them with you. The first thing that feeds our anxiety is self-talk. You see, fear and anxiety is produced by what you say to yourself not by what you actually experience. And guess what? Who talks to you more than anyone? It's you. And what you say to yourself, what happens is you will begin to live out on a day-to-day basis. It's what you say to yourself on how you interpret and make sense of things that maybe you experience, both good and bad. And when fear takes over, the interpretation of life ceases to 
to, to be good or to make any kind of sense. You see, when fear takes over your life, it will paralyze you. And there will be this internal debate within you, right? That's what self-talk is. And there'll be this overflowing undercurrent of thought that if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. And it will color everything that you do, every experience that you have. It will prod you and poke you through everything in life, and it will leave you feeling alone. You will rarely feel that you have control of it because what happens is heightened anxiety, okay, will always lead you down a negative pathway. And those who are prone to anxiety tend to ask themselves a lot of questions. They have this self-talk. We have this self-talk. I've been there. And that is the what ifs. And once our anxiety is triggered, it can go from zero, being calm, to 60, panic, in under six seconds. You been there? Huh? You were calm and boom! Now you're, you're in a form of panic. And this process is, is usually encouraged and accelerated through questions. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if that doesn't happen? And what happens is this self-talk, this internal conversation that you have with yourself can feed anxiety. Here's the second one, and that is private assumptions. Because behind the panic and behind the anxiety, okay, is a stronghold of private assumptions. And what have I said that a stronghold is? A stronghold is a pattern that has been burned into your mind and my mind that causes us to think and perceive things in a certain way. And so what feeds anxiety are these strongholds, the way in which you and I perceive things and think about things. They're private assumptions, assumptions about the world, assumptions about yourself, assumptions about other people. And what happens is they're stored in this stronghold and you draw from it. I draw from it, if I'm not careful, to interpret our life and our world and our experience. And yet if you would take time to examine them, you would find out that they are really assumptions. They're not facts. They're not certainties. They're not actualities. They are assumptions. Something that you have taken for granted, something that has been burned in your mind that now it's the way in which you think, it's the way in which you perceive. They have become your personal language of absolutes. No amount of evidence to the contrary will displace them from being prominent in your thought life. You're sure about them. You not only have events to cement them in your mind, you have experiences, everyday experiences that have cemented them in your mind and each negative thought rolls into the next one and it becomes a, 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 a powerful, powerful way in which anxiety runs through your veins and it gives these private assumptions credibility. What are they? One would be, I'm not worthy. Bad things happen to you and it just verifies that you're not worthy, that you're not worthy. And when the foundation of your life and when the foundation of your personality has been shaken on how you feel about yourself, 
then what happens is your worldview and your thought life becomes shaky. And you begin to even distrust the good things that happen to you because you don't feel that you're worthy. And when good things do happen to you, you know what? You wait for the equalizer, don't you? Oh, I can't believe this is happening to me. I just wonder when it's going to go bad. I wonder when it's going to go wrong. I wonder when the other shoe is going to fall off and you feel unworthy. But here's another private assumption. I'm not able. This assumption basically says that you can't handle what life throws at you. And since you're sure that it's going to be negative, since you're sure that it's going to be horrific, what happens is you go through life terrified of what the next day will hold or the next week or the next month or the next hour. And every day, what happens is the tendency is to wake up and to become filled with worry and anxiety because you might find yourself as a victim of circumstance of where you're not able to handle it. Another private assumption is I'm not enough. This is deep-seated fear that comes from the assumption that you're insufficient in and of yourself. And so you live in fear, left to your own devices, which you know will be woefully inadequate. You're just not enough. Another private assumption that we have is I'm alone. If you know you're not worthy, if you know that you're not able, if you know that you're not enough, then you will live in fear of being alone or being abandoned by others. Even when you're in a relationship, okay, what happens is you think this won't last. She'll leave me. He'll leave me. And ultimately, you revert back to those exposed and naked sense of loneliness that you have felt in your heart and in your soul because they poison the idea of who you are and they become your regular thought pattern. And because they devastate you on how you see yourself as a man or as a woman, you live in the fear of suffering the consequences. And to avoid those suffering consequences, what happens is you construct a belief system to try to survive. And many of these belief systems have concurred in your life and my life as children. They've been crafted in your childhood because it's the way in which you were able to survive. And what starts as a survival mechanism mitigates to the damage of, of these negative assumptions as a child, and they end up becoming a faulty belief system that you're now living by. And that's the third area, faulty belief system. You know, we feed anxiety through our self-talk, through private assumptions, and through faulty belief systems. Let me give them to you. One is personalization, okay? This is the belief that everything is personal. It's all about me. Everything that happens is passed through the filter of how does it affect me? And you're constantly on guard about the negative inherent in any event, in any exchange with other people. And you believe in the Murphy Law, okay? That says, if anything bad can happen, it will, and it'll happen to me. It's personalization. Another faulty belief is control, and that is personalization 
can lead not only to awareness of how events and circumstances and people affect us, but also the need now to be in control of those events, of those circumstances and those people. Because if events and circumstances and people have the potential to hurt me and to do me wrong, then what happens is I end up believing that the only safe place is for me to control all of the events, all of the circumstances, all of the people in my life as much as I can. And the belief is that control brings safety and a lack of control then leaves the door wide open for me to be hurt and for disaster to come into my life. Another one is that of perfectionism. And that is if, if control brings safety, then control is paramount. And then you have to believe that you need to get as close to perfection as you possibly can. And if you can get perfection in place, then what happens is the opportunity for things to go wrong or for bad things to happen to you lessens. The problem with perfection is, guess what, my friends? You ready for this? It is impossible. It's an impossible standard. Perfectionism perversely does not limit anxiety, guess what perfectionism does? It sends anxiety through the roof. Here's another faulty belief, that is dependency. So some people go in a different direction. Instead of grabbing hold of events and circumstances and people and trying to control them, they disperse themselves into the lies and the influence of other people. And so what happens is they're unable to establish value and worth in themselves, so they borrow it from other people. And so what happens is they become dependent upon other people. And when those people let them down, guess what? Their anxiety just goes through the roof and no one has a perfect marriage. No one has a perfect father. No one has a perfect mother. No one has a perfect friend. And then finally, that of affirmation. When you give into other people control over your life and you make them the dominating factor of how you feel about yourself and what they think about you matters more than anyone else. When you give people control on how you feel about yourself, how you think about yourself, what really matters to you, what happens is the belief system of that of of seeking the approval of other people so that you can feel good about yourself, leaves no room for the the concept of being able to receive feedback or to be able to experience constructive criticism. Because if approval is the goal, then criticism is damning. It just just ruins you. It just causes you to, 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 to run. And while it's not possible to remove all fear and anxiety, because why? I said that we live in a broken world. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. What happens is there are things that can ground you in me. There are things that you and I can do and we can, we can embrace and we t- can integrate in our life so that what happens is fear and anxiety does not need to occupy your mind. They do not need to dominate your thoughts. They do not need to control you. And the good news is Jesus addresses this. This is why we say that Jesus makes life better and he makes us better at life. And on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter six, 
He gives us some ways in which how you and I can calm an anxious mind. And I wanna give that to you as we wrap up today. Here's what Jesus says. He says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever is valued more than the Lord. What is he saying here? He's saying the way in which you calm an anxious mind is that you put God first in all things. That's how you do it. You put God first in all things. The, the reason why we're, we're, we're filled with fear and anxiety is because the fact of the matter is many times God's not first in our life. We're wanting the approval of somebody. We're wanting to control something. I love what A.W. Tozier has to say. He says, put God in his rightful place and 1,000 problems are solved all at once. And so how do we experience a calm mind? Well, you put God first in every area of your life, in your relationships, in your finances, in your health, in your time. Here's the second thing, and that is this. Know your value. How to calm my anxious mind? Put God first in everything and then know your value. Jesus continues on, on in his lesson. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Wow. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? You see, you're valuable to God. You have to know that. You have to understand that. You have to know your value. And when you put God first in all things and you know your value, that, that you are valuable to him, then what happens is the anxiety and the fear can be managed, can be handled, can be dealt with. And here's the third thing. That is realize God's in control. Realize that God's in control. Jesus announces this when he says this. Can any one of you, by worrying, by becoming anxious, by being fearful, add a single hour to your life? No. Only God can. And what this says is that your situation, my situation, is under God's control. It's not under my control. I can't control life. I can't even control what happens to me. And so I need to realize that God's in control. I can't even add a day or a week to my life. Here's the fourth thing that Jesus says. He says, believe your needs will be met. Believe your needs will be met. He goes on in his lesson and he says, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God, and if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will what? He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Why don't you believe that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he has promised to do? 
What he is saying here is this, you will be taken care of. Believe that your needs will be taken care of. If, if all of the beauty of the world is here and gone, God will surely take care of you. And then Jesus lets us in on this truth. Understand God knows your needs. Understand that God knows your needs. Look what he says here. He says, so don't worry about these things. What things? The things that he just mentioned. Why? Because your heavenly father knows. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, not people of faith, unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. Do you know that? God knows about your financial need. He knows about your health need. He knows about your relational needs. He knows about your career needs. He knows about all of it, all of it. He knows about every single one of those. And when I believe that God will meet my needs and I understand that he knows my needs, then what happens is there's a calmness that comes over me. And then here's another one, and that is pursue Christ daily. How to calm my anxious mind? Pursue Christ daily. Look what Jesus has to say. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. That means be in right relationship with other people and he will give you most things that you need. No, he will give you what? Everything that you need. And so Jesus is saying, hey, you wanna know how you calm an anxious mind? You pursue Christ every day. Your focus and my focus should be on Christ, knowing that he loves me, knowing that he cares for me. And then finally, Jesus says, live one day at a time. Live one day at a time. When, when, when you put God first, okay, when, when you do that, now live one day at a time. And Jesus wraps up his lesson with this. So don't worry about tomorrow, that's anxiety. Anxiety is worrying about the future. Anxiety is when fear grips you and me about the future. He says, so don't worry about tomorrow, about the future, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Isn't that the truth? Today's trouble is enough for today. You know what he's saying here? Just live one day at a time. Deal with that which is right in front of you. Don't let your mind run wild about what's in the future. Do not do it. And so Jesus here gives us a way in which you and I can calm our anxious mind. We got to deal with our self-talk. We got to deal with that, okay? We, we, we got we to gotta deal with our, our private assumptions we got to deal with our faulty belief systems, and we do that by living out this truth. You see, Paul says it like this. He says, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, Anxiety thinks about how things can go wrong. Not the worst, the beautiful. Not the ugly, we think about how things will be horrific and horrible. Things to praise, not things to curse. Wow. 
You see, listen to me. It really does matter what you fill your mind with. Think about what you're thinking about. Don't just think about how you feel. You see, fear and anxiety are not fueled by that which is true, by that which is noble, by that which is reputable, by that which is authentic, by that which is gracious. They're they're fueled by doubts and fear and worry. And so fill your mind with that which is good. Ask God, God, help me to think on things that are good and that are great and that are positive. And what happens is when you do that, God's spirit will come upon you and you will have a sense of calmness over your anxious mind. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you today for who you are. And we thank you that you want to give us peace. Not as the world gives. That's fragile. That's here and gone. You want to give us peace that comes from you. And so today, God, may we deal with our self-talk, our private assumptions, our faulty belief systems, and may we believe in who you say you are and what you have promised that you will do. And may your peace that surpasses all understanding fill our minds and our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.